Bob and Charlene Steinkamp, founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, invite you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida, for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Well, welcome to Pompano Beach, Florida. It is Rejoice Marriage Ministries afternoon that we have a telephone conference with all our friends and standers around the United States. And we have two special guests that are here today, and we're thrilled to have everybody uh, calling in. And it's beautiful, it's hot, it's sunny, and I don't know where everybody else is, but we're just praying that you all can just take a few minutes out of your day and sit down, get a glass of Coke, iced tea, coffee, and get your Bible, pencil, and paper. And I pray that you will be blessed by listening to two people's testimonies and that you will um, have the Holy Spirit really speak to you and give you hope and encouragement as they share about their stands. And uh, this is what we're, why we do a telephone conference, and we found Sunday afternoon to be the best time with the largest people, number of people calling in because Sunday afternoons, I can remember, is when Bob often had the kids and I would be home alone. And it was a very difficult day after coming home from church to the silence, and uh, so anyhow, we just are thrilled to have everybody today. We have three of our prayer partners, our faithful Eddie, Beatrice, and Beverly, sitting in the living room praying over a list of names and praying for you right now, and we're also praying for a mighty revival and a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit before Father's Day. We are just praying. We've got a lot of June to get to Father's Day. June 19th is Father's Day, and we're just praying that we've got a lot of marriages restored before then. You've heard me mention it in our devotionals. We're just praying for the Holy Spirit just to move mightily so we do not have to have children be separated and moved back and forth to different places to be with their father or mother this summer. And often uh, kids get to spend more time with the other parent, which is very important, but we'd rather have them spend that time all together as a family, going through the restoration process. So, Tina, we're thrilled to have you, and you live in Florida. That's right. <laughs> Very close to us, and we're mm-hmm. thrilled to have you. Thank Tina. you. And we know we're going to have an exciting story and testimony to share today. And, David, you live in the other part of the world. Tell us where <laughs> you're from. What's that? Tell us where you're from. I'm uh, I'm from Western Washington, um, about as far from Pompano Beach as you can possibly get. <laughs> it is, it is definitely. And how? What's the temperature in uh, Washington State? We'll be lucky to hit 60 today. Oh uh, well, I've we've got a few a uh, few uh, degrees a lot higher than that. So uh, I would love to see Washington, though. I would love to see all the woods and all the trees and. It's always, I look at the pictures, it looks beautiful. But uh, we're just going to open up in prayer, and then we're going to get started. Lord, we just praise you. We just thank you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done, and we thank you for this telephone conference. Lord, every single telephone conference that we've ever done has been just a blessing. Every uh, person that has spoken has just spoken so profoundly by the power of the Holy Spirit of just giving us the right scriptures, the right um, words to say to encourage and help the standards. And, oh, the standards are always so encouraged and blessed. So, Lord, we just ask 
that you will just bring all the people that need to hear this to remember to call in right now and just remind them right now, Lord, just to remind them what today is and the time and that they will be able to connect today to hear this live. And we just give you all the praise and the glory. Touch Tina, touch David, and may they speak the words and have the um, boldness and the transparency. Both of them are sharing from their heart, and I know it's not easy, but I pray that you will just give them the wisdom, the knowledge, and just the grace to be able, mercy and grace to be able to get through it. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory of what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I may have our daughter on, which is Lori. She was on last month, and we had a beautiful time with her. And she was going to open up um, with a song and um, and speak to us, but I don't know if she's connected. Hi there. Lori? I'm on. Oh, great. Yeah, everything works properly then. Yeah. So well, gonna... I just wanted to share with you all. I Some of you may have already heard this song, but if not, I wanted to tell you about a song that I think will be an encouragement to you. Um, first of all, let me give you your first scripture of the day. It's Philippians 2, and it's verse 8. And um, this is written by Paul, and it's talking about how we can imitate Christ's humility. And that verse says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And because um, verse 8 says Christ humbled himself, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. There was a bigger focus than than what was the immediate um, picture. And even in your stand, that's probably where you are. There's a small short-term picture where we feel pain and we feel agony about what we're going through. But in the bigger picture of what Christ is doing, there's a bigger picture and a bigger focus. And a a song that I've heard recently um, that you may have heard is by Laura Story, and the song is called Blessings. And I just wanted to read to you a little bit of the song. Um, The first part starts, we pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear, and we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds us this heart that it's not that, that this is not our home, it's not our home. And the chorus is, because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise. And I think today what you're going to hear from David and from Tina is that this has been lived out in their lives. And I hope that um, their testimonies have been a blessing to us, and I think it will be a blessing to you. But that's when I saw that song, I immediately thought of both of them, <laughs> and what they've gone through and what they've grown from already, mm-hmm. the different situations that they've had. Amen. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, Lori, that definitely is a ministering song. I know I got to put it on and get it on uh, YouTube or something so I can find it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tina, I'm sure that's touched you because I know uh, you and I have uh, had our tears most recently, and uh, we both know what it means to go through things like that. But you know, Tina's story is unique. Bob is not here, and uh, I miss him. Mm-hmm. I will always miss him. Uh, but we must go on, and God's given us a call to this ministry, and if even more, uh, a larger call in my life today than it was before Bob died. And I can tell you that to reassure you that God has just said, this is your life. This is your life till the day you die, Charlene. Till I take you home, you are to pray for these prodigals. You are to pray for husbands and wives that don't have their spouses home, that are so lonely. You've been there. You know how many nights you've cried and pleaded, Lord, write on the wall what you want me to do. I can't hear you. And that is my burden, is that all the things that we do, and including this telephone conference, is to make it real to understand you're not by yourself and that there are so many other people wanting to help you and are praying for you, and we're praying for each other. Please go to the chapel page. Please um, get involved at the court page that we pray for others. If we just become so selfish and self-centered, you're not going to grow in the Lord and you're not going to hear him because he wants you to know that he wants to use you right now um, while you're going through this. You are going to have trials and tribulations, but you're also going to have a testimony. And everybody knows about your marriage, knows that you are being a witness. Either you're being a good witness and you're spreading garbage all over the world about how bad your spouse is, or you're going to be a witness of how great and how powerful your Lord God is to get you through these trials and tribulations that you're going through. And I just want to um, give you, take you to Luke chapter 15. Before Tina shares, and then we're going to do women first and then men, um, I want to do a scripture that I want to read to you that is so important for you to be praying and <clears throat> understanding. So many people will say, but my husband was never saved, or my wife has never known the Lord. And so your Bob knew the Lord, so that's a difference. No, it's not. What you've got to understand is that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth to die for all sinners. And Jesus Christ paid the price for lost sinners. And that is number one. It, you do not have to be saved and have your spouse leave to think your marriage is going to be restored. Your marriage can be restored because the Lord has spoken to you and because Jesus Christ died for all sinners, all. Never forget that. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them the parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. 
I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And we need to remember that scripture, dear standard. We need to remember that we cannot be so self-righteous and so important and thinking that we're so holy by what we're doing and sacrificing that we do not remember that Jesus Christ died for all sinners. And he is very, very burdened about your marriage. He's burdened about your family, what they're going through. But he's burdened about where your husband or wife have gone down the, the detour road. And number one, that they never knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may not have known the Lord Jesus Christ. We have so many um, husbands and wives and standers that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through their crisis. And that's a huge praise to Bob and I. That was always such awesome news because they were chosen by God to have them get saved first and then to start standing for their spouse. And that that's so important. We have so many people that are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ um, through uh, this tragedy. But let me go on to the, read a little bit further. Or suppose a woman has ten silver cones coins and loses one does she not light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it she calls her friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me i found my lost coin money was very tight then i think it's just about as tight now so we could definitely say if you've lost a $20 bill or lost a $10 bill or a $5 bill we would all be searching in every nook and cranny in our home trying to find it She says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's more rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So I'm emphasizing today that we need to be burdened about the lost souls of standers who have had their husband or wife go on a detour road or never knew the Lord Jesus Christ. But the big detour road is they've given up their marriage. They've given up and been tempted in many different ways. It could have been a person or it could be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be gambling. There are so many different. It can be pornography. There are so many different avenues of Satan's tricks and schemes. But what we've got to understand that um, it's so important that we do not get our eyes off focus of the importance and why so many people give up if they just don't think the, the Lord cares possibly for their spouse enough to bring them back home. And that's the devil's lies. Remember, the father of all lies is the devil himself, and he's a deceiver. And he deceived Eve, and he wants to deceive us to give up and not pray. Not pray for our, our children. How many standards in this, on this phone have um, children that have become prodigals? And they could be young. They could be 13 that have just gone off the deep end in rebellion. They could be 19 and walked out of the house. Or they could be 25 and they've gotten married, and now their marriage has ended into separation or divorce. We have all sizes of prodigal children and ages, but the parents are still broken. They're still prodigals, and they're still uh, causes of grief and pain. But I want to read from my uh, study Bible. It says here in Luke uh, chapter 15, 4, it says, The three parables in Luke chapter 15 illustrates 
this purpose of Jesus' earthly mission and reveals God's desire to save the lost for time and eternity. We learn that seeking lost sinners to bring them to redemption is of utmost importance to the heart of God. And that's what I want to remind you. God cares about your spouse so very much. Don't ever let the enemy tell you that your spouse is not worth praying for, standing for, or sacrificing for. And that goes on with my concordance, but I don't want to get reading you all that. But I'll maybe do a study on it and a devotional on it because you need to understand Jesus Christ loves you so much that he cares about you and your marriage to be restored. Tina, we are thrilled to have you. Mm -hmm. And we're thrilled to have you uh, do a letter in uh, an article in our May newsletter. We were thrilled and honored that you sent this to us. And as soon as we read it, uh, Lori knew that I was going to want to read it. And when we read it, we said, oh, this has got to be shared. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd love you to uh, share it first. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? And then tell us about your marriage. Okay, I'll do that. Um, my husband and I both were saved um, at a church um, locally here. I guess it's been, um, actually it was back in 1996. And we both were saved the same time, um, the same church and same location. We also were baptized together. Um, it seemed like things were going well. Um, we had our child and um, the three of us. We had um, our home and just living a normal life like everybody else does. And then um, James really had a passion and desire to be a fireman and had had that for a long time. So we went through the necessary schooling and, and um, took him a few years, but he was hired. Um, once he was hired as a firefighter, I, at the same time, was hired as a teacher at the school that my church was starting, and my daughter was starting kindergarten. So it seemed like it all worked out. You know, she's going off to kindergarten. Um, I get hired at the school, so I don't have to do that whole drop my kid off and cry in the parking lot because I'm leaving her <laughs> off to school for the first time. And it just seemed perfect. Um, and James was very, very excited about being a fireman. Um, the thing with his job was that the location was about an hour and a half drive north. So it was quite a distance. So he had to stay up there for a couple months for training, and he would just come home on the weekends. And it was an adjustment period, a big adjustment period. Well, in this adjustment time, it caused a tremendous amount of stress on our marriage and um, to the point where um, he had an affair. Um, I didn't know for a long time, and actually um, that story is quite amazing in that the Lord actually showed me that. God actually spoke it to my heart, and it was a very difficult truth to get. But um, He we, told you before you, before your husband did. Before my husband did. You know, that's very common that when there's a crisis going on, how often, and I'm interrupting you to no, emphasize no. this, mm -hmm. Tina, is that how, you know, so many people want to um, do research and FBI work mm, and mm -hmm. sneak on their spouses. Mm -hmm. But I have always said, God will tell you when you need to know something and prepares you. That's funny. I say that all the time. God will tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. I agree. And I have said that, and you'll hear evidence of that several times in my story in, in the testimony of our lives together, because of the distance of how far away he worked. 
I was very removed from his work, and it was almost like another life. It was another life for him there with my life with our daughter here. It was very difficult. And um, God revealed so many things to me that I would never have known otherwise. Exactly. Um, so, um, God anyway. does speak. Yes, he does, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> and that's true, too. <laughs> that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to stay as close as I could, and I still do, because I need, I know God knows all, so it's listening um, is the key there. But we ended up, um, well, I when that all happened, and the truth of that came out, of course, very devastating. He ended up leaving, um, packing up some things and leaving the house and destroyed our, our family, as you can imagine. And then um, it was a process of seven years, um, back and forth. Um, he would come home. He'd say he wanted to stay, but I could see that he wasn't. He was still in a relationship with her. Um, he ended up having a child with her in the seven years, which, again, very difficult to manage and handle and um, all the while, I think I can tell you that I had a full range of emotion, as you can imagine, um, from anger and frustration and um, just wanting to give up and not knowing what to do. But I think what held me was the, the very day that he left, that next morning I woke up and I just laid there in bed and I said, God, I have no idea what to do. I mean, I didn't even know if I should get out of bed. I, I didn't have any idea. My whole world was shattered. And I said, I'm going to open your word. In the first verse I lay on, you've got to give me something to hang on to because there's something in me that knew that this was going to be a long haul, you know. <laughs> and, I, and the first verse I looked at was Isaiah 56.1, and it said, Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Wow. In that verse, I said over and over, and, he'd, and I'd say, Okay, Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. Lord, what is right? What is right? And people would, you know, loving, caring people who adored me and just didn't want me to suffer anymore through those years would say, Tina, just divorce him, please. You know, they, they couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> you know? Christians, it's very difficult. That yes. They want to fix it quickly. Yes. And they don't want you to walk through the trial. No. And, 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 and with, with love, they were doing that. I yes. mean, I, no yes. one was doing that out of just out of revenge on, on James, it was, they just wanted to save me from this and, and our daughter, like, because they didn't know how this was affecting her. And, right. and, um, and so I would just cry out to God constantly, Lord, what is right? Tell me what is right for today. And, you know, today it was in the early part, it was, well, he just got caught up in, in the heroism, because it was right around 9-11, it was all of the firemen or these heroes, and he got caught up in all that, and, and that's what pulled him away, and, you know, and, you know, I went back and forth and back and forth, no, it was the, the history of your relationship, you weren't saved when you got married, and, and we just, I just struggled with it, but I just said, Lord, what is right? And he said, it is right to love him. Amen. And that's what I stood on. You had you had a covenant, 
you had a marriage, and your marriage wasn't even built with the, a church fancy wedding of two saved, you know, no. pray, you praying for the right perfect husband and knowing how to do all that. You weren't Christians yet. No. But you know what? I tell everybody, I don't care where you were married or who you, you know, how it was done, if it was at the beach or at a justice, God was right there with you because he created you. Yes. And he never, he, he had the plan and purpose of getting you both saved and in different ways and different people, but, you know, you had a glorious salvation that you were hanging on to. Yes, and he promised that the work that he started, he would complete it. And God started a work in James and I, and he promised to complete it. And I would hold on to that scripture. I'd be like, Lord, you started a work in us. We both got saved. We both got baptized. We're both, we both committed our lives to you. You started a work. You will complete it. And he absolutely was faithful to complete that, especially in James's life. And so I just held on through it. And there were days where <laughs> I, I kind of laugh about it because the days that I would give up, were the weekend when I couldn't contact a lawyer, you know, and I was like, Lord, you're so gracious to me because on Friday afternoon, I was done with this. I'm calling the lawyer. I'm over this. I'm, I can't take it anymore. And by Monday morning, God would humble me and he'd say, um, let me remind you of your sin. Do you remember this sin? Yes, Lord. Forgive me, Father, for your sin is no worse or greater than his sin. And I love you the same. And, and I would just have to, I had to be so humbled through that time that my marriage wasn't failing or failed because of him. It was failing because of us, two sinners that were together. And God wanted to do a work in that. And I just needed to submit to that and, and hold on because I knew um, that blessed is she who believes what the Lord has said will be accomplished. Mm -hmm. God promised that he would complete a work, and he would bless me for believing that. And so I would just hold on to the belief. I'd be like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I I don't know who's going to – I don't know if I'm going to be around to see it, but you will complete this work. And and maybe it will be 80 years old, and our marriage will finally be reconciled, and and we'll have, you know, five more years or ten more years to live together. I don't know how and when it's going to happen, but you will do this. And um, I just kept holding on to his promises through that season, which I'm very grateful, especially today, that I held on because I got to see the conclusion. And not look at the years, just... Keep one day right. at a time. And yes, and sometimes it was one hour at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I just it, may I comment too about um, our daughter, in that she was five years old. Here she is in kindergarten, and she doesn't understand where daddy is. Now the the grace of God in that is because he's a fireman, he was gone for two days, you know, they, he's on shift 24 hours and he comes home for 72 hours and he goes back on. So she was used to him kind of being in and out of the house. And at that age, I, I don't think that they understand time frame too much. So a week or two days, is, is it really a difference? And she didn't seem to comprehend his absence 
so much. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful for that. But God's grace. Yes. And one of the things that I, I have to point out, because you said it, Charlene, was that the parable of the lost sheep, that is the parable that she taught, that God taught her when she was in kindergarten. She was in a little Bible class in, in, in the school. And I happened to be sitting in the room. And that's the, like, sort of like the flannel board story that they have like little figurines and she taught that story and she took the little lost sheep and she hid him up under a a little piece of black felt and said that he was lost and then she he brings the shepherd over and picks up the sheep and carries them back to the sheepfold and our daughter sits there and says mommy that's daddy oh my word she identified that that little sheep that was hidden under that black piece of felt was the lost sheep, just like her daddy. Mm. And right then, I looked at her, and I said, you're right. And she goes, but look, Mommy, the shepherd, he got him, and he brought him back home. She got it. And I didn't say a word. The Lord taught her at that time, and through all those years of her growing up, because it seven years of her growing up so from her age of five to till you know 12 13 years old she's trying to understand what this is all about exactly and we could always go back to the parable of the lost sheep she could understand god's promise god's word never returns void does no. it it's an excellent teacher for any crisis we have to go through the lord helps us to be able to teach our children how to cope with it and use illustrations that he's given us himself. Yes. So continue. So then, um, so this back and forth, we were separated. Um, We never divorced, but in that seven years, he would come home. He just couldn't do it, and he'd leave again. And um, there was one time where I asked him to leave because it just became so... Um, intense in the house, and he was very argumentative. And I said, you know, I think, I think you need some time away. And so he would, he left and and stayed up there um, where he was a fireman and stayed with friends up there for a while. So we went through this um, false back- starts that Bob talks and wrote mm-hmm. about for so many years. You have had him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And with that, it's so destructive because you, you want to believe and you want to say, okay, all right, all right, I'll do it again. And then you're, it's like your heart just gets ripped to shreds again. And you're like, Lord, what, what? And please, Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. Lord, what is right? What is right? They, they truly have to have a personal experience with the Lord. Yes. That Damascus Road experience. That, yes that burning bush experience to get them to be able to stay and work on your relationship Mm -hmm. and your marriage. And I thought the birth of that child would be what it was, is what it took. So I was even thanking God for that, saying, Lord, if that's what it took, that's what it takes, because that did bring him home the first time. But no, he came and went two times after that. It wasn't that. Um, so I didn't know what it was going to take. And honestly, I don't know what it was that finally, that he never, we never talked about that. He never told me what it was. But there was a drastic change. And what had happened was um, I, we needed some work done on the house. And I said, listen, 
I need to get this work done on this house. I've been waiting for you for years, and it needs to get done. So I am asking for your permission to hire a contractor to do this work. He didn't like that. Nobody is working on my house, he said. And I said, well, either you do it or I have to hire somebody. So I said, I will give you to the end of this month to tell me what you want to do. I mean, I always respected that he always paid the bills. He always kept you know, the mortgage up. I, I, I never you, financially, you I was never he was ahead. Right. Um, yes, I always gave him that. Even though he wasn't in the house, he was still the head of this household, and I always gave him that respect. And so he finally said, I want to do the work in the house. And I said, okay. And that was difficult for me. And he says, but I, I want to stay in the house while I do it. And I said, okay, you can, but not in our bedroom. You can, you can have the living room or the spare room or however you want, but not in our bedroom. And that's when I had it. That was the first time that I put a, a strong boundary up in that part of our relationship. And he's like, okay. And he did. And he worked so hard. He, it was our bathroom. He totally gutted the whole bathroom and did all the work himself. In that process, God humbled him in working and serving us. I, I'm not really sure, but I started seeing a drastic change in him. He would say, um, hey, are you going to church tonight? And I'm like, yeah. And he's, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we always go. And he's like, can I go? And I'm like, sure. And I never, I stopped asking to go to church. I just was living my life praying and knowing that God was going to do what God was going to do when he was going to do it. And I was just, I had my ministry, I had my work. walking in faith. Yes, that was it. And I just came to that realization. So it was probably about a year of that, um, of him staying in the spare room and doing the bathroom and, and serving and loving us. And then that um, Valentine's Day came. Um, 2008, when he said, will you please be my Valentine? Wow. And I looked at him, I'm like, I I don't know. What does that mean? And he goes, just please let me take you out to dinner. And I'm like, I don't know, James. And it was so hard for me. I said, can can you give me a couple days? Let me just pray. Let me just pray about it. And I fasted and I prayed. I was like, Lord, please. I don't think there's one shred left in my heart to get ripped up. I'm afraid that, God, it's going to get so bad that I'll never, ever, ever be able to love him again if he does this to me one more time. I'm scared. And I just felt the Lord say, trust me. And I was just like, okay, okay. And so I remember coming home after work a couple days before that, and I said, okay, um, I'll let you take me out to dinner for Valentine's. And um, I came home. It was a Thursday night, I believe. It was a weeknight, and I'm always exhausted after work. And um, actually, I'm a PE teacher, so I'm outside in this hot sun all day long, and I don't <laughs> want to be outside anymore, you know, when I get home. And so I came home, and he says, I, I made dinner for you instead of taking you out because I figured the restaurants are going to be packed and I didn't want you to wait. He has thought this through all day long. He had cooked my favorite meal, which requires him to simmer sauce and got the recipes, my grandmother's Italian recipe. Like he, he figured this all out, took me to the beach, um, and set, and just served me this most beautiful dinner with wine and everything. It was just beautiful. And then he says, I have a gift for you. 
And I was just like, okay. So I'm thinking, don't get your hopes up. No expectation. You know what I mean? I just, I was like gripping myself and trying to control myself not to go there. And I opened this box, beautiful box. It was a good size box. And it's a bracelet with crosses hanging from it, like a charm bracelet and a watch. But then what caught my eye on it was a one-carat diamond solitaire engagement ring. Oh, my word. And I looked at it, and I said, I didn't know if it was real. I didn't know if it was a charm. Like, I didn't know what to think. And it was right amidst all those crosses hanging off of that bracelet. And he said, this is the ring you should have had the day we were married. It's the most beautiful diamond ring I've ever seen in my life. And... I didn't know what to say. And he said every word that I've always dreamed he would say to me. Praise the Lord. And, 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 and it was real. And I know it was real. And I, couldn't, I was so overwhelmed with it that I was just, I, I, I actually felt, um, I don't know, I, I, I said to him, I, I can't, I, you don't have to do this. I, I, you don't have to do this. I don't deserve this. And he, that's when he said, you deserve this the first day we were married. And it just took away, for me, it took away all the guilt. It took away all the shame. It just, I was free. I just was free. And um, a couple weeks it's later. waiting. Yes, it was. And, and it, it was more glorious. And I, I, mean, I can remember staying up at night dreaming of what it would be like <laughs> when he came home. And it was nothing like that at all. I mean, but it was just beyond what I could imagine. And, and, and I didn't even expect it. My, I, my expectations were not even close to what that was. And then we, we um, renewed our vows at the church, um, went on another honeymoon, and this one was a real honeymoon. Mm. I felt like... I had just gotten married to him for the very first time. I knew that God had done a great, great work in, in both of us. Um, and he was a different man, totally different. Um, even our daughter would say, you know, and he'd say, like, there's opportunities for him to get frustrated or act out or lash out or whatever. And I'd, be, I'd, I'd kind of grimace and think, okay, here it comes. And then he didn't say and he didn't do it. And I look at him, I'm thinking, and she and I would look at each other like, daddy's cool with that? Who? What in the world? <laughs> like, he was literally a new creation. Amen. He was literally a new creation. Um, it was obvious that the Holy Spirit had um, gotten a hold of his heart. He had totally surrendered his entire life um, to God. It was just nothing short of beautiful. And that's why we stand. We never, 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 never give up because we don't put a time frame on it. We don't put the boundary. If you don't do it by this time, Lord, I'm going Mm. on with my life. And Mm -hmm. that is so important because we get so many emails and letters saying, I can't do it any longer. I give up. But we're giving up on God's not trusting God enough in our lives to believe that he knows his plan is perfect and his timing is going to be perfect. And then you continue on with the beginning of restoration. And and Mm -hmm. he's ready, willing to work on your marriage and let it be all that that it now is. How did that go? 
Well, uh, what I saw immediately with him is his desire to serve us. It was no longer all about him, where that's what it was like. Um, All those years, I just um, constantly sacrificed for him. Not that I'm not supposed to, but there was, it was all give on this end and no receive, no receive. And now all of a sudden he's saying, Hey, text me when you're on your way home from work. Cause I want to make sure I have dinner ready for you. Wow. And I'm like, what? And I thought, okay, this is going to wear off. It's going to wear off. Like, and I was bracing myself through those first few months after all that, and it never changed. He um, genuinely wanted to serve us, and it wasn't out of guilt and shame like it had been in the past. Like he would do those kind of things, but you could tell it was just because he felt guilty. No, it was a genuine, um, unconditional love that he had received from God and now was pouring out to us to our daughter and, and I, and it was, it was beautiful. And I lived that dream for a year. And it was the most beautiful year of my life. And I was so grateful um, that I had that. Amen. You've got something that you'll never, never forget that God no. gave you a special promise and restored your marriage. He, God answered every single prayer I prayed Every, I mean, those specific, you know, those really, really specific ones that you pray, that only you as a spouse can pray for your husband or wife because you know them so intimately. Those, every single one of those very specific prayers he answered, every single one. Um, I can remember there was times when I would pray, God, fix him or take him. And because uh, I didn't know what else to pray. I was just, and I, I would just pray, God, Tell him you love him. Just tell him you love him. Help him know you love him. Like, that's all I could come up, come up with at times. And God did. It, James knew God loved him. Um, and it was evident in his life um, because of the change that I saw in him. What, and what a reassurance to have you know that he knew and you knew that you had a new beginning, a new foundation, and uh, that it was truly... Um, the Lord that was rebuilding your marriage on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, that's awesome when you finally know that the Lord is doing it. And, uh, and that's what a reassurance. And, what, and every day it's, it gets to be better and better. Yep. So what happened? So then, <laughs> so we, like I said, we lived that year, um, and then um, not quite a year later, um, I was, one morning he was getting up to go to work um, as a fireman, still had that same job, and he rode a motorcycle um, back and forth just to say the gas was killing us, you know, with the, uh, the prices of the gas, so we got a motorcycle, and he came in at... 6.15 in the morning. He usually leaves at 6, but he came back. He had left and came back at 6.15 and came in the bedroom, rushed and said, oh my gosh, I forgot to wake you up because he knew that Sunday morning that I'd meet some friends at, at the beach there and we run and he didn't want me to miss my run. And I said, no, no, it's okay. I'm awake. And he's like, oh, okay. All right. I said, did you turn all the way around to tell me that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I didn't want you to miss your run always serving me, always oh. thinking of me, wow. always wanting to make sure I'm okay. Wow. 
And I said, no, honey, I'm okay. And he goes, okay, all right, I love you. And I watched him walk out the door with his helmet and all his gear on, and he left. And I went for my run, and I took our daughter with us, actually, that morning because I just said, hey, why don't you come to the beach and chill out there while we run, and you you need to get out. I wanted to get her up in the morning. She's becoming a teenager and a little lazy in the morning. (laughs) So I took her with me, and... Um, I get back to the car after the run about an hour, hour and a half later, and her and I are on our way to breakfast, and I noticed on my phone that I had a, a phone call that had come in several times from a number I didn't recognize. Well, finally, it called back again, and it was um, the uh, local police department. And um, I had gotten a call before because um, James, in riding his motorcycle, <laughs> has costed me a few yeah, heartaches. He's been in a couple accidents um, with the motorcycle. And as a, as a firefighter's wife, you just know what you're getting yourself into, whether on the job or off the job. There just seem to be um, very passionate, um, driven Men and so I was always prepared, always prepared, but I wasn't prepared for this call. I have to be honest. And he said to me, um, "There's been an accident." And I said, "Okay, where is he, and how bad is it?" So I needed to know. And he told me where it was, and um, insisted he stay on the phone with me. And I said, "No, I will get there when I get there." And he says, "You might want to get there soon. It's critical." Really, he did tell you that. Yes, and um, I didn't hear that though. And I believe the Lord just was preparing me. You know what? He just broke his leg again. This is really going to stink. He's going to be out of work for a couple months. He'll be okay. James always falls and gets back up, okay? And um, But this time, of course, he didn't get back up. By the time I got to the hospital, he was in surgery, and he didn't make it. Um, um, Did you have somebody with you? I did. When I got there, of course, our our daughter and I, we were together. And when I got there, um, the whole entire um, fire rescue was there. And I thought, guys, seriously, who's at the station? And they're they're looking at me like, Tina, it's okay. And we'll put the station out of service. And I'm like, no, what do you mean out of service? Come on, he's going to be fine. Total denial. I didn't see it at all. Mm -hmm. So it was the whole police department plus the whole fire department, plus the fire department of who transported. There were so many uniformed men and women there, I can't even tell you. Um, And then they told me um, that he didn't make it in surgery. And um, then a couple people from my church were able to make it up there um, because, again, this was a distance. It was between uh, where he worked and then where I lived. So by the time the people came up from my church um, and then the reality the reality. Um, I remember standing in front of those firemen, though, and the thing that came out of me, you know, it had to be the Spirit of God, was, where are your wives? I said to those men, where are your wives? Do they know if this happened to you today that you would be in heaven like I know today? You said that in the hospital? Yes. I can remember it so clearly because nothing made sense to me except that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that James was in heaven. What a positive ending. And that's what I told those men that day. I said, you need to, if you don't know if you're going to heaven, you better make sure that you are today 
And then you need to tell your wife that so she knows because that's what I have today. So you were able to proclaim immediately the reassurance that you had that, you know, James was had turned around, the prodigal had come home, and he was living the Christ-like life. Yes. And, you know, Charlene, honestly, two, three, four years prior to that, I don't know if I could have said that with so much boldness and and confidence, but I, I know I could say it that day as I can say it today. Well, I no think doubt. there's a time that's what we're all praying for is that each of us will develop that boldness because we do not have a guarantee. Mm-mm. Um you know, my son had a rollover car accident, and we didn't know when we were headed up there what condition he was going to be in. Um, and with all the um, my husband and, and Tim's business that he had for 20-some years, um, we saw life and death with all ages of children and adults due to accidents. And uh, we lived and knew that you need to know that if you were to die suddenly today, wherever we may be, that we know that we have our family, loved ones in heaven. And I guess that's been my burden, I guess, for so many years. And uh, it is it's even more so now for everybody that, are, that each of you standers will have the reassurance that Tina has, that she knows that she knows her husband's in heaven, her daughter knows it, and how important that is. And I think that all of us have to understand we need to be praying for our lost loved ones. We need to be praying for the people that you work with. What Tina mentioned that day was truly the Holy Spirit giving her the boldness to say, here's a whole battalion of people that probably maybe 50% do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And if they were to die suddenly, where would they be? Mm-hmm. And as you said at the beginning, 9-11 is a perfect example that you don't know when you're going to die. So, well, you, let me, Lori had a question, and she said, do you see that his death was a failure on God's part? No. Oh, absolutely not. I, I see it as a completion of a promise. He promised to complete the work to the day of Christ Jesus, and he completed the work in James. I God's agree. will was done in James's life. That's what um, we want everybody to understand. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have 100% peace and assurance that this was, when God gave me that verse, maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is Amen. close at hand, Amen. and my righteousness will soon be revealed. I didn't know it soon would be revealed when he was 42 years old. Exactly. But soon to the Lord is soon to the Lord, and he can determine his timing in that. And he completed that work in James's life and in my life. I am, I, of course, I, I, I miss him. I think about him. Would I want him here rather than in heaven? Myself, I would, of course. But I think about it all the time. Yesterday was his birthday. He would have been 45 years old yesterday. And I think about what I have loved to celebrate his birthday with him. But because that's the flesh in me and I'm a, a woman who wants her husband. But at the same time, I'm what overshadows that or what surpasses that is the overwhelming joy that I know that God kept his promise and took him home. 
at the time that he took him home. Amen. James was, and I had wrote in that, in that devotional there, James was right with his God. He was right with his wife. He was right with his daughter. James was as close to God that day as he had ever been in his whole entire life. And I want to meet the Lord that way. That's the way I want to see the Lord. I don't want to be backslidden or I don't want to be in knowing sin. You know, when I meet the Lord, I want to be so right. He was so right with God that day. Amen. Amen. Well, that is an awesome testimony, and it makes everybody think about the real reality of how important standing truly, truly is. And if you had ever given up, if you ever given up on standing, where would he truly be today? Mm. And only God knows that, but I believe that your call was to stand for his salvation, and truly that's what happened. And where would I be today? And I hate—I don't mean to put that on myself and sound selfish, but, you know, I have a peace that I can live with and move on with. I think about that all the time. What if I did give up? And, and you know, at the um, at his memorial service, the pastor that walked through this whole thing with me said that over and over. And he says, aren't you glad you didn't give up? And that's the whole secret. Well, we're thrilled to hear you, Tina. Now Thanks. I've got to get to David. Yes. Because David has an awesome testimony also. And, David, we're thrilled to have you, and we're thrilled. I know the men are going to be listening to this over and over again because men love to hear men's testimonies. But how did you come to meet the Lord and tell us about your marriage? How did I, I come to meet the Lord? Um, can, you, can you hear me? Yes, beautiful. Good, good. Um, in, the year, in the year 2000, it seems like uh, all, the, all the good and the bad seems to happen in May for me. But... Uh, May of 2000, I, you know, I, at that my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we'd been together for four years, blissfully ignorant in the world. Um, but for some reason, I just got this 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 desire to go drive truck, and uh, even my family, even to this day, shakes their head, cannot believe that I went and drove long haul truck for a while in my life. But I I went to uh, I went to tr- a school in Salt Lake City about 800 miles from here, and I, I went there to school to learn how to drive truck, and after two weeks of training, a gentleman, his name was Dennis, came in and picked me up. Um, he was going to be my trainer for about a month out on the road, and this guy was, he he was, he was everything that I never thought a Christian was. This guy was just, he, he, it was the right person for me. Um, God brought the right person into my life to to bring me to him. And um, a couple, he, Dennis worked on, for, on me for about a week, and it, but he didn't work that hard. And, and one day um, he handed me the Bible and simply said, can you find the Elijah that came before Christ? And um, it was kind of a dirty trick. Cause it, it ended up making me go through four Gospels <laughs> to find it. And... Um, from that that night, I gave my life. I I, I confessed Christ and I and I asked him to come into my life. When you were reading the Bible, uh, later that night, um, okay. I you know I really had to me- meditate on it. I was you know I was my head was kind of spinning from the whole looking at this you know John the Baptist, Elijah, to come before Christ. Um, and that evening, did I, you did you question that you would even pick up the Bible and do this for him? 
No, because he'd earned my trust. Wow. He he had earned my trust in about four or five days. Wow. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And I the next day was, was a difficult day because it was a day that I was going to be calling my girlfriend. And there was two things I was going to tell her. One, which was great, which is that I had, I had become a Christian. I accepted Christ. The second was our relationship was over. Mm-hmm. Um, because I couldn't, you know, now being a Christian... I couldn't be with somebody that wasn't, and, and it couldn't continue a life a life of sin with her. So I called her. I called her that evening on the phone, and I explained to her, you know, what happened. She was really happy and excited, and and I said, and I'm sorry that you know, I, it appears that our relationship is over. And she said, no, um, since the day you left, I've been going to church. Um, some people, some women came over to our house. A day after you left, invited me to come to their church, and I've been going since then. I just didn't tell you. <laughs> the Lord goes after all sinners. Yeah. <laughs> Luke 15. So shortly thereafter, um, you know, we got married. Um, but as much as my wife wanted me to lead, be a spiritual leader, I never really wa- I never was. Um, I never really took the full mantle, even though I, I would... I mean, we would read the Bible together at times. We didn't, we didn't pray often. Um, you know, the Lord did bless our hands, provided for us. Um, we had a, we had a little girl. We just, we lived a very cherished life. But the thorns of the world just kind of came up around us all the time. But then, uh, December of, uh, around December of 2007, we conceived our second child, and at the end of of March of 2008, um, we lost that child, mm. and um, it, w- it was a tough. It was a tough time. It was it was a very difficult thing for both of us to go through, and um, I didn't I didn't do my best as a husband going through that time. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the Lord began to pull me towards Him that right then and there, and. It, it was very, it was very strange. I began to, to to come to the Lord, and and I began to to want to be in church every Sunday. We went to church every Sunday, but you know the sermon I usually daydreamed through, and after after the service I usually complained about the music. Um, but then I began to want to be in the church. I wanted to hear the sermon. I, you know, began to enjoy the music. Um, and my and I began to read to my little girl. At night, out of her little, out of her Bible, and she was only three, and I'd read out of a little kid Bible, and I was beginning to read my own, and I would pray with her, and the whole time my wife became very distant, and I thought that um, maybe she was just struggling with this miscarriage because my wife and I, about ten years prior to that, had gone through a very similar thing when her parents divorced. And her mannerisms were very similar, so I figured, okay, this is just something we gotta, we gotta live through. Um, and then came that day, May thirtieth, two thousand eight. She, I came home and she looked at me and said, "I don't love you anymore, mm. and I'm leaving." And she packed her things and and she she left. And my initial reaction was, I mean, it was hurt, it was shock. But then there was a small part of me that was, that was like, hey, you know, these last two months have not been a real joy. So uh, good riddance to you. 
and uh, good luck. Well, I went to go see my pastor about three days after that, and my my pastor, uh, he beat me up really good. Um, he wasn't, hey, your wife left, she's, she's the one at fault. No, he actually beat me up pretty good, and he beat me up for not being being a man of God. Um, I kind of, I took a lot of what he had to say to heart. Um, and then the next, the next day, I just found myself, I, I looked at myself in the mirror, and the man that I saw staring back, I did not like. I did not like the person that I had become, who I was, what I stood for. And that very day, I fell to my knees, and I, I asked God to take over my life. But I, I didn't want it anymore. I wanted His. And the Lord moved instantly, instantaneously. It, it was amazing um, how fast the Lord moved. But one of the hallmarks in my in my walk has been the very next evening, I was at home, and I was walking around my house, and all of a sudden, I felt this this is an amazing amount of anguish, pain. Um, I, it's hard. I can't even. You, there's no English. There's no words in my vocabulary for it. But I fell to my knees in the middle of my 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 house and in the living room, and I said, "Lord, don't do this to me. This hurts too much. Don't do this to me." And immediately, I heard the Lord tell me, "You have to feel this because if you don't, you'll give up." Mm. And He put like this amazing amount of love that I'd never had for my wife before and just buried it inside me. And that night, um, my wife revealed something to me. She called me and revealed something to me that was the reason our marriage had fought was falling apart. And um, I forgave her instantly. Um, I forgave her and I asked her to come home. And she came home. Uh, that week was actually miserable. It was it was a horrible week because I was spending time with a with a wife that didn't want to be there. Um, she wanted to be somewhere else. But I remember one of the one of the greatest moments of that week was we had decided to kind of do a family function, take our daughter to the zoo. And I'm driving down driving down the freeway, heading to the zoo. And my little three-year-old daughter, I'd never heard her before do it, but she does it always now. She's in the backseat, and all of a sudden she starts singing a praise song. (laughs) And I tipped my mirror to look at her, and she's back there singing a praise song from church. And I, I looked at my wife, and I said, I can't believe she's doing that. And my wife turned and looked at me and said, I don't want you looking at me anymore. And I said, why? And she goes, your eyes have changed. Your eyes, you, you, you look at me like that and your eyes have changed. And I looked in my mirror, in my rearview mirror, and my eyes had, had changed. The countenance in them had changed. Um, it, it was amazing. And, and I have to say in the last, that first year that my wife was gone, I would have people come up to me um, in grocery stores or, or people that have known me for years. I've lived in the same area for 20-plus t- years. And people would say, they would look at me, kind of turn, and, David, are, is that you? Um, the Lord changed me inside and out. Amen. 
Um, it was unbelievable. But we, it was a tough summer that that summer. And I, I have to confess something. I was led to the site, Rejoice Marriage Ministries, very early. I was I went on the internet and just look. I was grasping for stress, just something. And I came across the site and I read a little bit of it. And my first thought was, these people are pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody with self-esteem would not do this. <laughs> Once that lady divorces me, this this is over. I am not. There is no way I am doing that. I am not standing. Yeah, the, God's got the wrong person if He thinks he's, that I'm doing that. Um, and and I I, w- I then went through a summer where the Lord just worked on me. Just um, the Lord asked me to give everything up. I I owned a farm. I owned lots of stuff. Um, I was pretty fair well to do. I mean, I I, I thought I was, but one you day were the Lord successful in the world's eyes. Oh yeah, and one day the world the the Lord just told me, I want you to give it up. I want you to give it um, to your wife. I'm like, no, no, that's mine. I, I worked too hard for it. And he told me that he gave it to me and he could take it away. Um, and I I ultimately did, but the Lord really begin to refine me um and and try to and begin to remove a lot of the dross in my life one of the things that the lord really convicted me of, of immediately there were two things the first scripture i really glommed onto was ephesians 5:25 husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave up, gave up his life for her um that was very convicting to me that i was to give up my life my hopes my dreams everything to save my wife. Um, and the second thing was the Lord really busted on me was at at that time in my life I, I was I was overweight. And for me, it wasn't because I, I, I didn't eat because I was unhappy or I overate because of, of med- this or that issue. Just, I like food. I had no discipline. Not I like really <laughs> and, and the first thing the Lord bu- really busted on me was that's you're selfish. You were selfish. Um, look at yourself. The, what you put in your body is because you're selfish. Um, and, and wow. And he began to just rip out the things in my life that were very selfish. Um, one of them was food. Uh, and it was it was an amazing summer. It was the most difficult time of my life, but it was the greatest time of my life as well just walk in that close with the Lord. And th- there was a a time where um, I watched a, a, a video of Jim Cimbala, and he has a, he did a sermon called My House Will Be Called a House of Prayer. And at that time, I really didn't know how to pray. You know, I prayed, but I didn't really have a full concept or, or you know, what I was doing. And I watched that house of prayer, and, and I, I got this, this this thing where I, just, I decided to call his church in Brooklyn and ask them to pray for my wife because we were hurtling t- towards divorce. We were only a, about a, a few weeks from a divorce, and um, they said, "Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll pray for you. We're, we're going to pray for you every day for a week." And that was on a Monday, and and Tuesday morning, about four in the morning, the Lord woke me up and said, "Get up, they're praying for you." And I got down on my knees and and I and I prayed and I prayed for my wife. 
I don't really think anything more about it. You know, the, the week trudged on like it it was at that time of my life. And Saturday, my wife came over to my house um, to get some things out of the cupboards, and she was being very cold and curt, and actually said some pretty mean-spirited things to me. And I, I looked at her, and I said, um, I don't know why you're doing this to me. I mean, the stuff that you've already done is bad enough, but the thing is that you don't really have to say these things to me. And she turned, and she f- broke into tears. And I'm probably going to break up doing this, but she she fell to her knees, and she began to cry. And I grabbed her, and I, I held on to her, and I cried with her. And um, she admitted that what she was doing was wrong, and, and she didn't know how to stop. And we sobbed for about an hour, and for the next week, she didn't come home, but she came home every night to have dinner, and she visited with us, with me and my daughter. Did you have custody, or you kept your daughter? Um, she was yeah, gone? I, I primarily had my daughter at that time. Okay. She just wasn't in a position to take care of her. And um, she was coming over, and we actually went and saw Fireproof together. Wow. Which was uh, a little tough. That was that was difficult. I was a tearjerker, huh? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but all of a sudden, and, and it was strange because she came home and she was so. It was it was different. It was she was nice to me. She wanted to be there. She would, she was dressing. She was wearing things that I bought her, and then all of a sudden she just disappeared. And um, and then our divorce went final. And um, there was that Thanksgiving. She came over and she picked up my little girl for Thanksgiving, and um, she was starting a new holiday with a, with a different family, and that was that was hard. And I went in my living room, and I fell down on my knees, and I just cried out to God, and, and, and it hurt so bad. And immediately he said, you know where to go. And I, I, I went to work, fired up my computer, and went to Rejoice Marriage Ministries, and I don't know if anybody has read as much Bob Steinkamp material in their life in a single day as I did that day. I mean, Bob, the stuff that Bob wrote just poured into me, and it was it was it was strange. It, it was the sight that I swore not, that I was never going to do. There I was on Thanksgiving Day, just pouring over it, um, just reading it. Just it was it was my lifeline at that very moment. Praise the Lord. And um, my 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 wife has uh, I, I'm I'm probably I've, I've never really heard my circumstance, but my wife had um, a a, ch- a child outside of wedlock, um, married, and uh, has now had a second child. Um, actually, of, of about two weeks ago, she had the second non-covenant child, and it um, it's it's been a been a tough road it's not it hasn't been easy um you know people obviously with the news of the second non-covenant child you know most people that were even standing with me have pretty much abandoned that but my little girl who was three when her mommy left who is six now has never given up has even when i've given up um has refused to give up and uh she's been amazing and you know, and I, I will admit, because 
I, I think this is fair. Is I, after the news of the second child, I, I fled. I, I ran. And I tried to run right into a relationship. And I, I know what it's like to be a prodigal now. I know what it's like to be double-minded. I know what it's like to have that turmoil and constant anguish as God was just pounding me um, moment after moment. I, Bob used to, I remember him writing that sometimes it's like God puts a thumbtack underneath you. Mm-hmm. And eventually you you get it right because that thumbtack just begins to hurt so much you can't you can't stay in the sin. And that was how it was for me. I mean, I, I basically I had to run from it, and even the Lord, the Lord even answered me in in that moment because a week before I finally cut it off, I said, "Lord, I need you to write it on the wall for me because this was you didn't tell me we're going this this route. You did not say two kids, and we're going to have to go through this whole this whole this all of this." And um, a lady in my church who just wants me to be free, wants me to just be able to move on, came to me as a prophet and said, David, what you're doing is wrong. You're cheating on your wife. And she had a scripture for me, which is one of the hallmark scriptures um, that I've had in my life, which is Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Um, Do you see the thing that I'm doing in the desert? Um, She gave me that scripture, and then my little girl, two days later, crawled in my lap and said, Daddy, I want you to leave the other woman. I want you to leave her. And I want you to go back out in the desert. And then she said, uh, I told my mommy to hurry up and get home before you marry this other woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, the craziest part was, God had told me two years prior to that, that he would take me to that moment. That he would make me pick my little girl over another woman because he knew I could pick my, my, you know, he knew I could probably slam the door on my wife. But my little girl, um, as strong as she stood, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Your little girl did not want to share you with another woman, a stranger. She's already having to battle that with her mother. Yeah, but she did not want to battle that with you, and that is so many people, so many children, don't have a choice or will not speak it, but they want their parent. My kids didn't have; they had to deal with Bob and going to down to the other person's home, but they did not have to deal with me having somebody else in our home. They knew I would always be here, and I wasn't going to bring anybody else to deal with them because the kids get left out in two different in two different families you know when when you have two different people brought in let me go back and uh, you gave a praise report to uh, Lori and I this last week um what tell us about the game that you just had recently well actually can I can I I'll, I'll hit that but yeah. can I do the other Continue. praise reports yep you guys um printed you know I I had that I gave my testimony um, at Easter at my church. Well, let me ask you and interrupt you on that. How did you get, how did, why did the pastor ask you to do that? Um, that was funny is, you know, about 
two years ago, you know, the Lord really got a whole, you know, has really tied a knot in me. And, and you know, I, even though there's moments I, I, want, I want to flee, I, I still, my heart is still with the Lord. I want to do everything I can. And, and um, I always say the Lord has called me to be an Ezekiel in my church. Mm. And about two years ago, our pastors would rather set their hair on fire than allow me to ever speak to the church. Um, they thought I was crazy. You know, they thought I, I just couldn't handle the fact that my, my wife left, that this was just a hope. We were in denial. Yeah. That I, yeah, yeah, I was in denial. Um, that I hadn't made it through the whole five fa- five phases of trauma, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, the, it was funny is, is the, the pastor had gone to several people in our church and said, you know, I, I want somebody that will speak truth and, and just be transparent and raw. And they all said, gave them him my name. Mm. And he was, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want. I, wanna, I don't know if I want him to be that raw. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he, he, called me in the off, he called me in the office, he wanted to go over it with me. And I, I, I did, I said to my pastor, I said, you have to trust me on this. You have to allow me to, if you're going to let me go up there, I'll, I'll give you the kind of the premise, but you have to allow the, the Holy Spirit to speak through me um, because I'm not going to write it down because I want the Holy Spirit just to speak. Because I have been asked to speak um, for other ministries. Um, that wasn't my first time I've ever spoken. And um, so that's how that happened. And he just wanted somebody to have that uh, a testimony of having being a captive at one time in their life. You know, actually, I think almost any everybody's been a captive. Yes, we have. But somebody that was willing to be transparent. But um, you guys, uh, you you printed you printed a, or you posted a devotion that I wrote mm-hmm. the day after that. Correct. And after I saw my devotion, I went out in my car and I just cried. Because I had emails and Facebook things from people thanking me for my testimony, and then that, and then I saw that devotion. I I went out in my car and I just cried because I was so overwhelmed because it was so good, and because um, it's been it's been a hard three years, and it was so overwhelming, and I, I cried and I went out there and and a few days later I I. Uh, got a text message from my wife and it said I read your devotion and I think your stand is hurting our daughter and I it, it, any stander out there if if your wife is reading your devotions on Rejoice Marriage Ministry <laughs> we'd be praising the Lord <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was amazing. Uh, and then I just pray she keeps getting the urge to go back over and over and over again. Cause... Yeah, I hope so too. Well, <laughs> she's been there again because, uh, or at least she's been to our my church's website because last or two weeks ago you guys posted my testimony. Correct. And I sent her the link and I asked her if she would listen to it and she sent me an email back and said, "Oh, I already have. I watched it on the church's website." What a miracle. Yeah, what a miracle. You've had two huge miracles with that. Yeah. But God is speaking to her. God is showing her a new man, a new creature in Christ. She's hearing and seeing 
that you are a new man in Christ and that you are different than you were at the beginning. Yeah, the the, the T-ball game though that you're you're asking me about or wanting me to talk about was um we my little girl, she's 6 years old, she plays T-ball and my my wife just had her her child on on a Tuesday. And I wasn't fully expecting her to be at the game being that close only 3 days since having the child, but when I got to the T-ball game um, she was there, and she had brought her the newborn and then her one-year-old. And I got there, and I typically, her, her one-year-old, I, I love him. I, God broke my heart for him the minute he was born. And I, I love him, and, and my wife will even open up his van door, the door on their van. She'll remotely open it so I can, you know, play with him and, and give him a hug. And I, I went up to play with him, and and um, you know, people from her town were congratulating for her, congratulating her for the newborn child. And she was kind of forcing her smile. I, I haven't really seen her smile in three years. You know, a real genuine smile, and her eyes just do not, they don't light up like they used to. And the game got over. And I went over to her and I, I told her, I told her as her husband that I wasn't allowing her to carry the children out off the field after giving, having given birth. So I, I scooped up the children, the, the the two babies, and I was carrying them, and she was walking with me. And people from the other town came over, and they began to congratulate us for our newborn. And. Um, I turned to to look at my wife because I I didn't know what to say. And for the first time, I saw shame. I saw the thing that I so desperately wanted to see. I wanted to see that she knew that it wasn't okay. That the choices made, they weren't okay. And I I got to see that. And And it was an amazing thing to see right there. And, um... We both just remained silent when people were congratulating us for our children. Um, yeah. God does speak yep. to his children in many different ways. And I'm sure God was speaking to her right then and there, what was going on. Oh. And what we need to understand is with these non-covenant marriages and these children, God still says, you know, you're standing with me for my covenant marriage, and I want you to stand. We have so many people who have been standers for so many years, as was Tina, who had the non-covenant baby. Because when you have sin, there's going to often be many babies that will be born, and it's not the first or the last with our ministry. And um, But you know what? God can turn them all around and turn it around as he did. He brought James home and he's going to bring your dear wife home and at his perfect timing. And But you showing that love to those two little children is going to be the secret of that unconditional love that we keep talking about in our ministry. How much do you really love your spouse? Jesus Christ died on the cross for all sinners, and he spread out his arms and died. And that is what we have to remember today is that that we, you know, David is not giving up. You know, he he was tempted. He went into the far country. 
for a second to see what the other world was like. But you know what? God doesn't leave us alone very quickly. I've got to bring in a scripture before we close because it's getting time. But it says in Hebrews 10 and 11 are two excellent scriptures of chapters to read for standing. Uh, Hebrews 19 says a call to persevere. And you can read it all. It would be excellent. Of course, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. And that is an excellent chapter to read about. But it says in verse 35, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come in and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. I think that is the way we have to close tonight. We have to realize that we need to stand firm. We need to never give up on what the Lord wants us to do. And it's not going to be an easy road. Tina didn't say it was easy. Mm -hmm. But we've got to understand it's not easy for David what he's done. But David went, and this is what we need to pray. We need to pray that the men of God will do what he did to David and, and correct him and speak the truth when we go see a pastor. And that the pastor will be a man of God that will, after three, four, whatever years David's had all this going on, that on Easter Sunday, the most important day for us as Christians, to have a man share that he's made mistakes, but he is standing firm for restoration of his marriage. What a miracle. You know, there was nothing more that I could have been praising the Lord for, and that's why we made a big deal out of it, because we're praying for men of God to say, I hate divorce. I believe in restoration. I believe that we can take a James who was coming and going and upside down and, and living two worlds as, as your wife is right now. But we believe that God can touch and change them to become new creatures in Christ, which Tina knows without a shadow of a doubt that he is in heaven. There is nothing more reassuring when you lose somebody you love that you know that you know they're in heaven. My father was away from the Lord, and that's a story I've shared before, but four days before he died, I, he was dying of cancer. I knew that if he was to die before he accepted the Lord, I knew where he was going to be. And it wasn't in heaven. And I prayed and I said, Lord, send a messenger to him. And I had a friend who believed in evangelism explosion and went two days in a row and he accepted the Lord. And he told so many people afterwards that they came to me at the viewing and said, isn't it awesome your dad accepted the Lord? And I had a cross. People don't give up on your spouses, your moms, your dads, your brothers, your aunts, your cousins. We are to pray for salvation. Sinners are to come home. And Jesus Christ paid the price. And Tina, David, you both have been a 
powerful testimonies for both of you. David, we will have you back on to give your testimony of restoration and praises in the future. And uh, Tina, we know that, you know, you've got a new assignment. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get to, to tell people stories about are you ready? Mm-hmm. Because you never, never know. Mm-hmm. And your husband's testimony is going to be living on for far many more years than you will ever, ever can imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're both honored, honored that both of you were so transparent today. And I know this is going to help so many, many people. But we need to pray for the standard today, the man, the woman. And there's so many family members that are praying for these dear people that will listen to this. And we need to pray for them that they will have uh, the perseverance to hang on. Tina, I'm going to let you close with uh, one minute of a conclusion of anything that you felt that the Lord wanted you to say, and I'll give it to David, and then we're going to close in prayer. We're going to be just a couple minutes late. No, I I guess um, the biggest lesson in the past couple days, I started writing down the lessons I learned from James's life and death. And I think the greatest lesson I learned was and is still today is love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. Um, And that unconditional love never fails. God's love never fails. And God loved me with that when I was in my sin, continues to love me while I sin, and he doesn't love me any less or more. It's unconditional forever. And that is the love that God has loved me with is the love that I am to love others with. And I think um, we could sit there and make a list of all the things that spouse did wrong and how we're justified in in not um, being married to them anymore or whatever, but at the same time, God says, could you just turn that mirror to look at yourself? Because we all fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned, all of us, and God doesn't have a ranking system for adultery and gossip and, and leaving your spouse and, and sacrifice or, or um, abandoning your children or having children out of wedlock or whatever. There isn't a ranking system. It's all sin. And um, I think that um, that love covers a multitude of sins. I've, I've lived that firsthand, and I'm so grateful for that grace that, and that love of God that I have and that I was able to give to James and that James was able to receive. And now he truly, truly knows what that is all about. Amen. James chapter 5. I had it written down to be one of the scriptures I was going to share sometime. My brothers, verse 19, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Yes. And that is truly what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. David, a short conclusion. Okay. So the, the thing that I'm, I'm just thinking about is, you know, I... I I think as a standard, sometimes we get a little bit too wrapped up in, in what our spouse is doing. Amen. Um, maybe the hurt and the, the anguish. And not so much are we looking to, to see what the Lord is going to do is doing to us in our lives, to remove the dross, to remove the, the bad parts in our lives and, and continue to refine us and, and allow us to grow. Um, I remember when I first, you know, the first year or two, I kept thinking how miserable this was. 
now that I'm on year three, I don't think of it as, as a miserable journey anymore. I think of it as like, eh, I'm just saying, I'm, you know, right now I'm a single man. Um, it's allowed. Well, you're married, and you're married in God's eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm married, <laughs> but you know, I'm I, I'm not dating. I'm nope. You know, I I wouldn't even entertain that. But what I'm saying is, it, it's a time for me to just be single, to to focus on on my daughter, on on things in my life in general, and, and to grow relationships around me. Um, I have far more friends, real friends, than I've ever had in my life, um, within my church, because. Um, you know, I have to be honest, Arlene. I don't. I never would have been able to do these things if my wife was around. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have just fall. I would have just backslid. Mm-hmm. To tell the truth, within the first year, I would have just backslid. And but without her, it's been allowed to to be stamped in to become a part of me. I don't have to think about being a Christian anymore. I just do it. You know, you know, you're supposed to do it. Yeah, and I would just say to to the standards just. You know, allow the Lord to to do a miracle in your life before it is the miracle of bringing your spouse home. Amen. Amen. That's a good conclusion, David. Well, Tina and David, we've already planned what we're going to do, and we're going to close in prayer, and then we're going to close together with Tim opening up the telephone lines, and we will all close with the Lord's Prayer. The first, Tina and David and I are going to close with prayer, and then Tim will open up when we do the Lord's Prayer. But we're thrilled to have everybody here today. You've heard two unusual stories and testimonies of what God has taken to a man and a woman through, but the value and the glory and honor and praise that has been given to both of them and the spiritual growth, which is so necessary for for us as Christians. You know, I, I think we need to stop and look at not about poor me, but say, Lord, I want to grow and be more like you, and I want to serve you, and let the Lord use you while you're waiting. God's given you a spiritual gift, and he's got, he wants you to grow, and he doesn't want you to wait and grow when your spouse comes home. You've got to be ready to uh, be the husband or wife you need to be. And read Ephesians 5 um, today, as uh, David mentioned it. That was on my other list, verse 22 to uh, 33, Tina mentioned that she respected her husband. And in verse 33, it says, However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And that's what we need to understand. We All these things have to be put together as a puzzle. And if we do not surrender our life and hearts to the Lord, we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to restore marriage built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Tina had to let go and trust God and know that God was going to work in her husband's life when he gave her the ring and the beautiful gift on Valentine's Day. She couldn't put a whole bunch of conditions on it. It was truly God was in control of their life and marriage. We need to do that every day of our lives. Say, Lord, I let go, I let God deal with me. Thank you so much for all of you that have listened today, and we know that so many more are going to be listening to this again. And we give you all the praise and the glory. Tina, would you start, please? Sure. Heavenly Father, we are just in awe of how great and how mighty you are and how you love us so much that you would work circumstances of our life 
so that we can know you better in a deeper and real relationship with you. And so I praise you, God, for the trials and the tribulations in our lives, knowing that you will develop in us a character that will strengthen us, that will make us more like you, that will give us eternal reward. So we thank you, Father, for these um, men and women that you've placed in our lives, the spouse that you have chosen for us, Father. And uh, I pray for all those standers out there, Lord, that they would just seek you and find you, Father, um, for their details of their lives, Lord, that they would not listen to the enemy or the flesh or to other well-meaning friends, but, Father, that they would only hear your Holy Spirit leading and guiding them into their particular path, into their daily routine. Father, give them the strength today to stand one more day for um, we know that you want us to maintain justice and do what is right for your salvation is close at hand and your righteousness will soon be revealed. Give them a promise, Father, that they can hold on to and they could never, ever let go of. You are a faithful and a good God and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, um, I'm praying for the male stander. Lord, uh, it's not for, for men. This is so counter to our very nature. We, we're warriors. We're fixers. We're people that, that build things, that go to war, that, uh, you know, when we, we use our hands and we force our will sometimes, Lord, in, in, in our professional lives and our daily lives. And this is so counter to what, what we normally do when you ask us to wait, to wait for you, for your perfect timing, for your perfect will in our lives. But I, I know there's men out there who may have been standing for a few months or a few years who just feel like they can't keep going, they can't go another day, they can't go another week. But I, I know what it's like to have that feeling, to just desperation. Just wishing that there was there was some kind of conclusion. And Father, I pray that you would just put a peace, a peace beyond all understanding in their hearts and in their minds. That they would trust you. And Lord, that they would be able to look back and see the hallmarks in their life as you've changed them, as you've refined them, as you've removed the dross, the impurities in their life to make them the man that they're supposed to be. Not just a Christian man, but a man of God. Lord, I pray for these men that are listening that you would just uphold them, that they would always feel your presence upon them, that they, would n- that they would not move to the left or to the right, but that they would stay on a path, the path that you've given them, and to follow the light of the lampstand. Father, I pray that when these men, they will make mistakes, but I pray that when they make that mistake, that they will know where to turn to, to come back to their Father, who will not move or leave them, may feel like you're far from us, but you're right there. And Lord, I pray that these men, that when they make that mistake, that they will turn to you and come back, learn from their lesson, and get back up. Off their, get back up and get going again. Amen. Lord, I, I pray for these standards that you would, that you would move in their prodigal's hearts. Lord, if you can come and get me, I know that you can come and get anybody. If you can bring me into your flock, you can go get any prodigal that you choose. And I pray that you would just move in these prodigals' hearts and in their minds. 
and that you would intervene in their lives, that you would give them a Damascus Road experience, that you would turn them from being Saul's into Paul's. Amen. And that when people see these marriages restored, that they would look at it and say, this is what the Lord has done. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, we just truly praise you and thank you for these two testimonies and the being so transparent and sharing what the Lord has done in their lives. And we just give you all the praise and the glory. You have created marriage, and we are one flesh. And what you have put together, let man not separate. And, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to speak restoration to men and women around the world. Lord, we pray that you would block and stop and cancel all the divorces and court dates that keep coming up and postpone them forever, that they would never, never come. What a miracle that Tina was never divorced and for seven years. God, that is a divine miracle right there in itself. But, Lord, we know that nothing is too hard for you. And, and if you are divorced, as I was, we do get remarried. And it doesn't matter because God is a God of miracles each and every day. Nothing is too hard for him. And nothing is impossible with him. But, Lord, we just pray that as we started out with Luke chapter 15 and praying for the lost sheep, we just pray that you would go around the world and touch husbands and wives and prodigal children and loved ones that we've been praying for. And we pray that this very day that they will repent and they will cry out and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their sinful lifestyle. Turn from their sinful nature. We bind against the spirit of adultery. We bind against the alcohol or the drugs or the pornography or whatever the sinful lifestyle is. And we just pray that you would just touch them and take that prodigal and have them come to their senses right now, today, in the mighty name of Jesus, where two or three are gathered together. It is done. It is completed. And we've got so many standards praying and agreeing right now with us. And we just pray that you will just touch and change people's lives, that when they repent, that they will know and you'll start speaking to them that they need to go back home. As you told the adulterous Roman that if nobody has stoned you to death, then go and stop sinning and, and, live no li- and do not live a life of sin any longer. And we pray that for every prodigal, husband, wife, or child. And, Lord, we pray, Acts twenty six eighteen that you will open their eyes quickly and suddenly and turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and live and have a place among those who are sanctified in faith. Lord, we are walking, believing, we're hearing a marriage restoration each and every week, each and every day. Now, Lord, we just pray you will do it quickly and suddenly. We pray for all the fathers around the world who have marriages that are hanging by a thread or marriages that are separated and divorced. We pray that these marriages will be strengthened and, and touched by you, Father, before June and that you will just restore so many families, and we will just give you the praise and the glory of what you're going to do. Because, Lord, our marriage ministry is praying every day. Many people are fasting and praying 24 hours a day for marriage restoration. We're believing it to come to pass. Thousands of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.